You're listening to the Accordion to Me podcast with Veronique Medrano. Hi, I'm Veronique. And on this week's episode, we get to chat with the icon of Zydeco in the modern era, Sean Ardouin. Ardouin has appeared on MTV, BET, and CBS, just to name a few, because there's a whole list and we're going to go over it on the podcast, um, as well as performing his music on some of the most legendary stages known to musicians around the world, uh, which include Carnegie Hall and the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival. As of this recording, Ardouin has achieved his fourth nomination at the Grammys. So without further ado, Sean Ardouin. As some of you know, early in 2020, I was in an accident. The consequences that you have to live with after can be a lot. You can lose your car, you can lose work, and therefore money. And you can, of course, be super injured and have huge hospital bills to pay. No bueno. So if, like me, you've been the victim of an accident, you need a professional to help you get the care you need. In case of an accident, you need a lawyer to protect your rights and your wallet, and you don't have to look any further than that simple phrase by going to the URL incaseofanaccident.com for a free consultation 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And if the person that suffered the accident wasn't you, but maybe it was your tia, or your abuelita, or something, don't worry. Everyone at In Case of an Accident speaks Spanish. They can even take messages through WhatsApp at 888-990-0911. So if you or a loved one have suffered through a horrible car accident like me, visit the team at incaseofanaccident.com for more help. Just don't forget to tell them that Veronique Medrano from Accordion to Me sent you. Thank you so much for coming by <laughs> and joining us. It Honestly, it is, it is an honor to have you here. Um, and talk to us a little bit about, you know, what started your journey in Zydeco, because you come from a legendary line of Zydeco musicians, and yes. uh, and it's just amazing. So I want I want you to regale us on that. Okay, so I'm a, I'm fourth generation Creole accordionist. Um, my uh, my grandfather's first cousin, uh, which who, who actually taught him how to play, Amade Ardwan, was a was um, the first man to record Cajun or Creole music. And then uh, the Cajun and Creole repertoire is all based on his songs. My grandfather, Alphonse Boissec Ardouin, um, was a living legend until his passing. My dad and his brothers, uh, the Ardouin brothers, but my dad, Lawrence Black Ardouin, um, have basically him and his brothers held down Creole music um, through the late 60s, early 70s, until, well, late 60s and 70s, until the early 80s, whenever there was a big resurgence in Zydeco music. Um, and then my brother and I had a band together. We took over my dad's band. And then me and my brother broke up in 99. And since 99, it's been Sean Ardouin and Zydeco, Sean Ardouin and ROGK, Creole United, and the current iteration, with this, which is Sean Ardouin and Creole Rockin' Soul. <laughs> I one one thing I was uh, when I was researching you that I I just found really 
just empowering is the fact that you have created so much music over the years. Like, it, you know, there's a lot of different artists that probably stop at about five or six records. And that's kind of oh, the yeah. norm. That's kind of the norm within the industry in general. Like not, it's not the, uh, it's not the rule, but it, it does happen. Like people get up to five or six and they're like, okay, I'm out. I, I didn't right, get right. the I didn't get the career I wanted. I'm out. But with you, <laughs> you, you've cre- you have yeah. made. <laughs> it's like thank you, <laughs> thank you yeah. for leaving. We will now right. take the spot. <laughs> but exit that stage. aside, exit stage left. Okay, maybe that's my left, but your left might be different. But you know what I mean. Um, gotcha. Oh my god! And you have just been creating and creating and creating you you completely went past that you know you have been nominated for prestigious awards you've been in these prestigious places what motivates you and inspires you to continue to create even when the accolades may not be where maybe some of us want them to be at the time like what 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 made you keep going in those spaces I mean, actually, believe it or not, it should be more albums. But there should be I more? Stopped. Yeah, <laughs> I stopped playing. I, I, that, look, those albums that you said, the 22, or 21, 22 <laughs> albums, something like yes. that. Um, that's minus, that's minus uh, 06 to 2013. Okay. I didn't do anything from 06 to 2013. Yeah, I had a I had a, a spiritual spiritual um, situation in which I felt like God said stop, which is really amazing. Because look, you see, I said it's amazing. I was low key yeah. depressed for like seven years. Um, but God I said only stop. laugh because I can relate. Like it's almost like you inside, deep inside, you don't want to stop, but it's like you have to. Yeah, well, see, I, I've seen what happens whenever people get. Whenever they get the the understanding that it, that God wants them to do something and they don't do it, and then God just start removing and removing, and then next thing you know, they're going down and down and down and down. And it's like, oh, like Jonah and the whale. You know, <laughs> with Jonah, the whale had to like swallow Jonah up and take him to where he's supposed to go. I was like, I don't want to be like that. You know, I, I'm, I'm gonna be okay. I got this. So I just shut it down. New Year's Eve into 06. I had, I canceled all of my um, non-contract gigs, and my last contract gig was uh, in uh, Eleuthera in the Bahamas, New Year's Eve into 06, and then I didn't play another secular gig until uh, 2013. Uh, and in but in that time though, I, I created a genre called Christian Zydeco, and I did a Christian Zydeco album in 2009. That's the ROGK version. Um, and then, but I always knew I'd be back. Right. So, so, so the way my faith works, everybody's got different faiths, but the way mine works is that I was like, God's not going to let me, he's not going to take me out of this to not bring me back at a much higher level. Right. Oof. Oof. Come on. Oh oh my God. You're you're hitting me right now. You're hitting me. (laughs) He didn't didn't take me out. To not bring me back on a higher level. Like, literally, I heard the audible voice of God, like, twice in my life. Once was whenever I was driving back home from my then-girlfriend, uh, then-girlfriend's house and says, you've passed your wife up so many times. Are you going to pass her up again? So I married that one. Okay. 
Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. Um, but <laughs> look, we got the time. If you got the time, we got the time. Right. So, uh, so then, um, whenever I was gonna sell my brother, my uh, three, my three year old Gabinelli, uh, not Gabinelli, my three year old Dino Buffetti, and I, uh, I was walking out the door with it, and I heard my name. I heard Sean, and I'm like, I was the only one home. <laughs> but I and I understood that I was looking at the closet right by my door, right? That's where I had my accordions. I understood do not sell those. Mm. I understood that clearly, right? So uh, but I but I still, you know, common sense me would have been like, well, that meant don't sell this one too, dummy. But I uh but I told, <laughs> I told, I told my brother. And I, and so so he matter of fact I think he has it to this day because um, I, I sold it I bought it back from him and then I got a honer the honer deal uh, this is a pretty honer right here let me see this thing right here ooh yeah. I know I saw it as soon as you brought it up on camera I'm like oh my gosh it's so it's shiny so um so yeah so so. I knew not to sell it. So that was the second time I heard it. So um, I, I got the deal with um, with Honer, and so now I only play Honer uh, three row accordions. So so that's a beautiful thing, right? Let me see. Let me get this symbol. You just want to see that? There we go. So um, where was I going? There? Yeah. So didn't play anything. So God let me. Um, so I knew He was going to bring me up to a higher level. So the whole that seven years I sold cars. Ah. <gasps> Okay. I did. Okay. My dad had been telling me to sell cars since like 1999. I was like, I ain't selling no doggone cars, man. I'm selling cars, boy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That was a, so then now, here I am, Mr. Super Save Guy. I just gave up my whole music career, you know what I'm saying? Because God said so. So what you going to do now? And then um, my son, my oldest son, our oldest son, uh, bought a car and he says, well, hey, man, they said that. Uh, if they knew anybody would be good at this job, you know, to refer them. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll, I'll go check and see what's happening with them. And so long story short, I got the job. But look, I, I was there for 10 years. Let me just say that selling cars is cool. I didn't think you could be a Christian and, say, and sell cars, but I then I, I prayed about it. So here's the deal. My job selling cars is just to not screw you. It's not my job to teach you how to buy a car. You know, okay. I, I'm just not supposed to, yeah, I'm not supposed to put you in a crazy situation, but I don't have to teach you how to buy a car. And literally, I was basically just being a counselor nine times out of ten because people come there with that really bad credit wanting a Tahoe. <laughs> 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 well, ma'am, you see, you've never paid anyone ever. So your 385 credit score will not allow you to buy this sixty, seventy thousand dollar vehicle. But I've got this great trailblazer for you. It's used. It'll help you re-get, reestablish your credit. Your credit. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. So, you know, but this is what I learned, though, Veronique. Ah, is that <laughs> Sarah? You are literally one of the few people that the first time I've ever met you, because this is the first time we ever meet. This is the first yeah, time yeah. we ever meet in person. We've just been talking online, but you're the first. You're one of the few. Like, I could count it on five hands. People that actually say my name right on the first time. So, yay! That's how you say it? Yeah. 
Okay, sweet. So, um, so this is what I learned, Veronique. Yeah, say it one more time. Just so I learned how to network, negotiate, prospect, say no, be told no, and I don't take business personal. Mm, so, yeah. so when God allowed me to go back to the music business, right? So the two things I learned were that those six things, and also I lost a hundred pounds the first the first six months I stopped playing music. I lost a hundred pounds in six months. So uh, and and I and I realized I had sleep apnea, so I got a sleep apnea machine. So I got my health right, and in that in that time period where I was selling cars, I learned those six things. So then, whenever I started, when I came back to the music industry, I'm dangerous. Ooh, dangerous. I'm dangerous <laughs> because you know, I know my value and I know how to negotiate it. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with people telling me no. I don't have a problem with people telling me they don't like my music. Well, if you don't like my music, then then I've either either A, I'm not your type, or B, I've not shown you enough of it to let you know and so that you can make an educated decision. Or C, you know, it's just you don't have the money. And I'm cool with that. <laughs> you don't got the money to love my music. I love that. I love well, yeah, that. Yeah. Well, we just need somebody to come and do, oh, you just needed somebody? I'm not just need somebody type of band. No. Oh, my God. There were so many little nuggets that you put in there that I just, I want to just, I want to, I want to just kind of go through that because the, the first part is hearing, hearing God. And I, and I love that because do you think that us as musicians or as artists, artists have a different connection to spirituality than let's say other other fields other other forms of of you know work absolutely we're levites you know what i'm saying we're, we're the creatives i mean just not the, the here but here's the here's the sticky the sticky part the devil was the minister of music in heaven so, so we, we, we walk a very fine line ladies and gentlemen <laughs> So, but but we're but we're 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 sensitive to atmospheres, right? Mm, so every yeah. creative, like artist, like like sculptor or something like that, but especially musicians and singers, right? Songwriters, we're very sensitive to atmospheres. Like whenever the, whenever there's stuff going on in the world, you know, we feel it. We don't just hear it and see it and understand it. We actually feel it. You know, it actually affects us emotionally. You know, and Ooh. and the other thing yeah. is whenever you're in, this is what I want you to think about. Whenever you're performing, you have the power to shift and control atmospheres. Yes. Agreed. So for a second. People can come there mad. People can come there hurt, busted, disgusted, you know, depressed. And when you start pulling, they're like, and they're ready to go. Yeah, you that's just, just like the shift. It's just a shift. You shifted the atmosphere. And, and it wasn't like that two seconds before you pulled your box or, or you hit downbeat number one. You know what I'm saying? So, so, and so, and I say that, and then the, then the teaching part of that, as you can tell, I'm a teacher too. The <laughs> teaching part of that for all musicians to understand this we don't care how you felt before you started. Those people paid for a show. Those people paid to be entertained. They paid for so an don't experience. Worry. 
Yeah, don't bring your stuff into Ooh. the experience. Yeah. Leave that, leave that behind, right? But mm -hmm. here's the other thing, um, the biggest thing. So microphones are connected to amplifiers, which are connected to speakers, mm -hmm. right? So I want y'all to think about this. Whatever you got in here and you're and you're singing it, like if it's an angry song, you've just amplified that anger by 50,000, 100,000 watts. Mm. Okay. So that's that's why, you know, that's why I said we got to be careful because we have the power to shift and control atmospheres. So when we come, if we just keep bringing the love and the happiness and the good times, then those speakers are just amplifying that. You know? I, you know what? As a as a Tex-Mex singer, I think that's probably one of the most difficult parts because we sing about like just the heartbreak, the the but there's oh the the but there's always an edge to the doom and gloom. Like it, it doesn't stay there. Like the music, I, I always laugh every time I play certain songs because they're about guys cheating. They're about yeah. people doing things, but the way yeah. I emote it is theatrical. I'm a very theatrical yeah. person. So there's almost this sense of like theater to it where it's like there's a suspension of disbelief that i add to the show to you where like on you're me? <laughs> on me? <laughs> i have way too many stories on that one but you know i i've been in situations where i literally got out of a horrible breakup i would get out of these awful things and and i have the pictures that's the that's the real messed up part is i look at some of those photos for some of those shows and i go how did I like remove my brain? Like I, I mind you, like no one else knew, but you're right. 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 Like you remove, you remove that very ego focused sense of yourself, remove it and then yeah. move into this space of theater, of theatrics, right. of this, of this performance. And I always, I, I find it very, very honest what you're saying this feels like a sermon in a sense of of musicianship and artistry and and how you engage with it because for the longest time i was told by the people around me i don't have those people around me anymore that um, good job good job good job <laughs> that that you know music had to come from pain or inebriation or something like that you had to always add some type of chemical of some kind whether it's right. mental imbalance yeah, or, or, yeah, or something yeah that, that, that you constantly have to be in pain and there has to be constantly drama and as as soon as i moved away from that place i was able to make music and art and, and emote in a way that almost felt like at a next level. So I completely, completely agree. And what I would even go so much as to say further is we are in the music business. So you and I both understand that drugs and alcohol are almost the part and parcel of what 
people assume is part of this industry. Right. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. what is what is your opinion now of kind of that or drama or, you know, negativity or, you know, um, toxic girlfriends, toxic boyfriends, you know, that type of environment at this stage in your life. Is that really necessary to make art? First of all, at this stage of my life, I don't do negativity. <laughs> I don't have it around me. <laughs> I don't I don't play with it. Matter of fact, anytime, anytime somebody comes around me with that, I'm always like, you know, the the flip of that is this, though. You know, <laughs> I'm always trying to get them to see the positive because I don't want to deal with the negative because the negative just brings you down. Now, what what I can say, like I told my son, because my son is a phenomenal songwriter, singer, and all stuff like that. He plays the scrub board in my band. But um, like I told him, I was like, man, look, I don't mind you stating the problem, but how about we write songs that end up with a solution. Yeah. Right? Empowering songs. You know, yes, like for you, for you, for instance, for you. Yes, you know, I gave him everything. You know, I, he, you know, he drove my car when I went to work, which I bet you never do that again if you ever did it. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that but, like, why why did you did you look on my socials? Did you research me? I feel the no, text. I did, I did. <laughs> No, I didn't. I didn't. But anyway, so you so you got the song. You're like, he drove my car. I went to work. I cooked for him. I cleaned for him. I loved him. And he cheated on me with that skank. You know, da 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 da. That's cool. But then third verse come back and say, now I've, I stand on my own two feet. And if you want me, you gotta want me and put me first. And da da da. And then I saw him, and he wanted to come back, and I was like, nah, nah, nah. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's the name of the song, you know, just, but you always gotta, you always gotta flip it so that at the end of it, you go, I came out of it. This is how you come out of it because the music is so powerful. Then, you know, you don't want people living in that misery. Everybody gets cheated on. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody, but, but can you listen to a song that will go, Hey man, this dude hurt me. I know, I know, I know. And then they go, but this is what I did. And then they go, Oh, well, I can do that too. There we go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, that's just what I suggest. I mean, of course, the industry likes it when you just keep on pounding that dog or pound it, pound it. You know? Well, you know what's funny is you say that and the first thing I think of, and it's a hit, it's still a hit to this day, is Carrie Underwood's Before He Cheats. Yeah, yeah. Because because when you think of that song and, you know, or Shania Twain's Man, I Feel Like a Woman, like there's so many songs that that don't fit within that mold. And yet they're they're celebrated because they don't they they kind of look at a different view of the world. And I have always been so um so enamored and inspired by the accordion and the way it can sound and what it can do because it's a very versatile instrument. And when I recently visited the instrument of the world, by oh, the yeah. way. Definitely. Definitely. You know, when I I visited um Louisiana this past year, and so 
I, I got to do a bunch of different tours and I kind of was um, walking around uh, French Quarter and then got on the trolleys because that was an experience too because you could uh, you could just do it all from your phone. So I was able to travel outside of the French Quarter. So I was able to kind of get... Yeah, I went to New Orleans and and I was like trying to to kind of explore the area a little bit because I'd never been. And everybody's playing Zydeco music. Everybody's playing some some uh, you know type of music like that and there's just this joy that really reminds me of cumbia music and and yes. cumbias, but it's it's like I've it's so rare that I've heard Zydeco and uh, and Tex-Mex music together. Um, I know Freddie Fender has done it and a few other folks have done it as well. Um, what is your relationship with Tejano and Tex-Mex music? But have they, though? Have they really? <laughs> <laughs> not not to the extent that I feel they should. Like, I, I exactly. will say that, like, like it's, it's playing with it, but not really like diving in. Um, yeah. And it was so inspiring to me that I, that I really tried um, incorporating it in a few of the songs that I have in my upcoming record. But like, do I want to explore is, more? Is your, record, that? Is your record finished? Is it finished? It is on the way to be finished. <laughs> so it's, it's en route. <laughs> I mean, you know, there, there's a collab. Is, that's easy. That's easy. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. You connect, oh, yeah. Connect, you know what I'm saying? Wink, wink, nod, nod. Oh. Ah, we're not yeah. saying nothing yet. We're not saying nothing yeah. yet. But wink, I'm wink, just, nod, saying. nod. Yeah. I'm just but, I, but I find that when I was in the studio working on that, it immediately made me think of you. And and Freddie Fender and and some of these people that I that I know that I've listened to, and just the yeah. joy that comes from it. Uh, so, like I said, what is your relationship with um, Tejano, Tex-Mex, you know, Mexican regional music? Um, because from what I'm to understand, you have worked for a few different folks in the studio. Uh, Juan Trevino being one of them, and his last yeah. uh, record, and and some other folks that are in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. That's me on the accordion on that one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I just got a call from uh from uh from uh from Ernie um talking about doing uh something with an artist that he's got. Um but yeah, I'm I'm wide open for the collab. I got a lot of friends in the uh in the in the uh in the Mexican music industry. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I see it all. I, 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 I'm excited for it, you know? I'm like really excited for it. I, I, I don't know how it's going to sound, but I know it's going to be cool. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, you know? like I like I heard you on on Seduceme, and I was like, okay, let's let's get more of him in here. What's going on? <laughs> like, why can't we get more? Well, you know, it's it's that key thing. You know, it it was in a key where you you can just kind of pick around, and you don't have too much. Because you know, I'm a good accordion player, but I'm not I'm not uh well, who's mine? You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, I got gotcha. you. No, I got gotcha, you. Know? But like like you would. Like that's the beauty of, of in my opinion, one of the greatest beauties of of Zydeco music is that it really, 
I would love to go into the history of it because I cannot imagine that our current Tejano didn't incorporate Zydeco of some kind. Like that, that those cumbia riffs and some of the things that they did and the way they played wasn't at all inspired by some of the Zydeco playing in, in Louisiana. Because I, I, every time I hear it, I, I feel it. Well, it's possible because Houston had, had, has always had a Zydeco scene. Mm. Um, now, but if you look at it from, from a historical point of view, this accordion, which is the, um, which is the, 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 the big basis of, of the, of Creole music. You know what I'm saying? That kind of vibe. Uh, had nothing to do with I don't I, I don't hear that in in like uh, Mexican music I don't hear that you know um, but with this accordion oh, which yeah. um, this accordion yes but this accordion is a relatively new player um, in the in the music proper uh, Houston would have had this accordion and the piano accordion but the rhythm the the, the patterns would have been more like this accordion. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of that kind of a vibe. So I don't really hear that in in um in that music. But you know, you never know. Like now since the 80s, then then we yes, there was definitely an influence because we from from the from the 80s on, Houston was hot with Zydeco. Like hot, hot with Zydeco. So, but yeah, I mean, just be looking forward to some, you know, for you never know. There, there's collaborations everywhere, and I and I and I'm down for it because you know I want to push. I need Latin Grammys on my wall. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. I am putting it out into the world for you. <laughs> I yeah, love man. it, and. There was there were some other things that you said, so I'm I'm going down the list because th that first part, man, I just you really you really preach into me, man, and I love it. I love it because you know I I think as artists we have a really hard time pulling away from our art, and you were talking about how God spoke to you and said, you know what, like chill, and you got so many things under control. Oh yeah, big time. And and for me, I I was in the music department, and and we're gonna get into to your experiences at LSU because I'm sure yours oh, yeah. are ten times better than mine at my school. Oh, no, 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 they're not because I wasn't a music major. So ah! <laughs> okay then. So I, I was a music I major. I didn't do that stupid stuff. I knew they couldn't teach. <laughs> I did the stupid stuff. I went in to be a music major. Oh no. And I I went in and and you know I'm I'm just out of high school so this is back in uh back in 2009 and I I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm just getting out of high school going into college and I was one of those kids that did the the dual enrollment. I don't know if you know what that's that is, but yes, it's like yes, yes. okay. Okay, cool. I'm just making sure if anyone who's listening doesn't know what that is, it's when you're taking college classes while you're in high school. And so it's considered you're you're in co you're a college student and a high school student. So I had been taking classes, had moved up ahead a good bit. Yeah, exactly. And 
um, I, I'm going and I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go in, did my first, like I just graduated and was already starting summer school and I'm, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it took me a few years to get my master's, but yes. Oh, uh, oh yeah. Like I waited. I, I took a while. I took, I took my time after getting my bachelor's cause life yeah. happened. Like things happen, and I was like, "Ah, uh, am I ready?" I was not. Yeah. And your master's is in music. No, my master's is in information sciences. So I am an archi- archivist. Oh, so you realize that music degree wasn't worth it. You didn't go get a master's in something like. <laughs> oh, oh no! Oh, this this story is wonderful. So I go into the music department and. I'm realizing there's a lot of weird stuff going on because I want to be a performer and they and are not ready for you. no, they were not ready for me. They said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And they they're, would, they're not even ready. They're not even ready for te- for teachers. Really? The, the, the way, the way they're teaching in college, their teaching is backwards. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not for the modern age. No. And, and I'm like, if you don't want to be a teacher, don't go to college in music because that's all and, they can prepare you for. And I didn't know that. And so, mind you, they say, oh, well, there's a performance track, but they don't tell you till you're already stuck in there that the performance no. track is for people that they pick, people that they like. Oh, the and, politics. You mean yes, the politics. The politics. Oh. Politics. So that's how uh, I first yeah. learned about music politics. I hadn't even been in the music uh. scene yet. And I learned in college. And I was such a shithead. Truly. I was such a shithead. Because the vocal teachers were pretty much pushing me to the point that I um I got walking pneumonia. And a bunch of other stuff telling me that I didn't know that I was sick, that I was just being weak and pushing me to such a point. And I, and I look back on it now. This is in 2009, 2010. It is 2023. And I look back on it now and go, oh, my God, all these people. So they had like there was a bunch of people in the department that had vocal nodes that were get getting surgery for vocal nodes and getting sick. And I was like, this feels weird. Like this, something about this because isn't right. Because they didn't know what the hell they were doing. <laughs> no, at all. And I saved myself. I truly saved myself from the department by going into mariachi and Latin jazz. And when I first started in the music industry, I did not start in Tex-Mex music. I started as a Latin jazz musician, singer. And and when I was asked what type of album I wanted to make, because I knew it, mind you, this is South Texas. Let me be clear. This is Bronzeville, like beyond San Antonio, all the way on the border. First of all, first of all, the fact that there's a program where you can go and learn mariachi and you know and and, re- and regional Mexico Mexican musics, that's phenomenal. You know, first yes. of all, so that so the people getting notes were singing Mexican music. 
No. So I was in the classical program. Yeah, that was the classical program. And I said, deuces, I do not need your your scholarship. I'm good. (laughs) I don't need I can't sing. I got range. I got I don't need you. I don't need you. I mean, I was hella depressed. Let's be real, though. I was so sad when they took my scholarship away. But it was like a thousand bucks compared to a di- other scholarships I had. So like, I was like, you know what? I'm, I can't be looking at this so like narrow. I need to yeah. save myself and my voice and do what really moves me. And so I yeah. went that way. I did Bossa Nova. I did all of these different things and really rounded myself out. And so I have to ask you, knowing this entire story about me and I eventually for anyone asking I ended up getting an English creative writing degree I I love it <laughs> so you're a great songwriter <laughs> yeah you know what I have I really learned the the blocks of songwriting was that what I expected to do absolutely not I thought no. oh journalism no. something else but it's like during that time I wasn't performing you know, I had been performing since since middle school all the way to the end of high school, was an all-stater, did all this different stuff, yeah. and then left music for my for four to five years before I came back, like really came back professionally. Right. It's like why, right? You're like, I left it. Why do people? Why? Why? It's bullcrap. It's bullcrap. It's bullcrap. So, um, so, so it's kind of similar. I, I, I went to college because, you know, back in 1987, <laughs> you, you, you little 2009 saga. Me and my little 2009, you're like, you're rude. You're aging me right now. You're so rude. <laughs> I know. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Um, but yeah, in 87, everybody went to college. That, that was what it was, you know, and, you know, people have to realize also that there's, and, and I know I keep going left or whatever, but there's there's a narrative in which people are telling you have to go to college. Today, 2023, the only people that need to go to college are the people who whose uh, chosen career paths say that you have to have a college degree from that career path. Other than that, man. Yeah, get yourself a technical degree. Yeah, no, but I'm saying, but IT. You know, you, you 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 got a computer, you got a phone, and you're good at it. Certifications. Take some, some online certifications, and you're working. Go to trade school, you, and you're good. You know, certifications, for the most part, is all you need. Because what people don't tell you is employers don't want to know how much you study. They want to know, can you fix the problem? And yes. if you can fix problems, you can get paid. Yes. So, anyway, so I'm in college. And um, like like I said earlier, fourth generation Creole artist, you know, musician. And uh, I was in a band with my dad. And then, you know, we talk about pay. And he said, pay. My dad is an old Creole man. Pay. You eat, don't you? You got a roof over your head, don't you? <laughs> and I was like, you know, and I was all, like you. I was always a smart ass. I said, well, yeah. I said, but I get those. That's like the basic package. I'm doing extra, so I'll tell you what, if that's the deal, I'll just stay my ass home. And I stayed home. And then when I was in college, I realized I missed it. So I'm like, oh, I miss it. Wow. And then I, you know, so now I'm in college. I'm like, so why am I, and I've always been analytical. 
Why am I in college? Well, I'm in college because I'm here to get a career. Well, why? Well, what about the family business that's four, that's three generations long? Why not just go back and take all that you know and all of your new ideas and your, your, your gifts and talents, bring it back to that, which is your name, your family business, throw your, your efforts into that and build that. So after I've been in school for two years, I said, that's what I'm going to do. Now, I'm not a quitter. So I stayed in school for four and a half more years and got a degree. <laughs> <laughs> LSU was so much fun, so much fun. Let me just say, so much fun. But um, so I said, I'm gonna just go back and put all my energy into the family business. So that's when I decided that that's what was gonna be my career path. 1989, like like public enemy. 1989, yeah, the funky drummer. But that that's when I decided to to be to do music full time. And I, I haven't turned back since. I mean, I was in the marching band. I had three jobs and I was playing music on the weekends. And I don't know how I did that being in LSU's band. I still can't tell you how I physically did all of that. But my dad stopped paying for school um, after my after my freshman year. He just started giving me um, what it would cost to go to McNeese, which was not even anywhere close. That it was like your little thousand dollar scholarship. That's what it was. <laughs> Yeah, that's all it was. So anyway, so we go through all of that. School is okay if you if you want to do something that requires school, do that. But uh, you don't have to have a music degree to be a professional musician, as you found yes. out later. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But, but you can take classes on the side, like theory and like um, music theory, and you can take those English English um, lit and English uh, creative writing. Yeah, I would say always take the creative writing courses in poetry, um, like poetry, most of all, like if you want to do other stuff, yes, take the creative writing and yeah. some other stuff. But poetry really teaches like, as I got more into songwriting, because I was not a songwriter at first. I, I mean, I did when I was little, like 14, 15. And, you know, right. you write and you're like, oh, my God, this sucks. Like, I saw something and I went, oh, thank I was not a Taylor Swift. I was not a prodigy. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is bad. But I you learn meter, you learn beat, you understand where things go. And for me, as a bilingual songwriter, it's like you, you start to understand why certain words sound a certain way on a certain tempo versus, oh, if you slowed it down, it would sound like this. And, and you always are cognizant of that. And that's so important when you're trying to rhyme or you can even like rhyme. So yes, for me, I say creative writing and poetry if you really want to be a songwriter. There you go. And uh, but now and here's me. But I'm I'm always the, the break the mold guy. You don't have to do that. No, go on. But YouTube. understand, <laughs> you gotta study somewhere. So if you don't go take that class, then you need to you need to start listening constructively to music. Mm, okay. That's that's the best teacher. You find the number one songs and break those down. Okay. Songs that have been number one, you break those down. Like I, I like you know Zydeco music. Like like cumbia and 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 um and Tejano and all that. it's a dance music, 
right? So, and I, and whenever I jumped in and, you know, and, and we started taking over, like when I, when I started writing and taking over in 88, 89, I'm, I'm bringing all these other styles in, but one thing didn't change was the long intros, right? So we never asked why there's long intros, right? But the long intro is there because we start playing the song so that people can get to the dance floor. Then the verse starts, Right. Mm, but yeah. then everything, everything in Zydeco now has changed and I'm not really trying to play Zydeco dances anymore. So I'm like, well, when I when my last four, four or five albums, I, I studied number one songs. Right. You've got 20 to 30 seconds, 45 at the most. If you don't start off with the hook, you've got 25 to 30 seconds to get to the hook. Mm, OK. Right. So yeah. you can't have these long intros because most people like click unless it's their song, but mm. it's got to get to be their song and you got to do it. So you start off with the intro, but boom, into the verse. And then before you get to 45 seconds, hey, here's the chorus. Here's what this song is about. They'll give you 45 seconds to a minute, minute max. But with Zydeco, we were a minute and 20 seconds before we'd even start singing. Mm, yeah. Yeah. The music is completely different. Yeah. Like, like, but, like Zydeco and Polka and Conjunto start off with these really long, long intros. Like you're saying, because not all the time do those songs even have lyrics. Like, right. Like, right. Cause you were dancing. Yeah, it's, and it's so, just... so I changed it. So my from from my last ones, let me see something. Can you hear music if I play it? Yeah, I should be able to. Mm -hmm. I heard the accordion. We'll see right now. Well, the accordion was through the microphone. That's why. No, I'm. I'm um, you're right. You're right. I'm gonna. We're gonna find out right now. We gonna we gonna find out. Uh, let me see something. And if not, we can edit it in whatever song. If it's if it's one of your songs, um, we can edit it in. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to. Uh, you know what? You you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do the Spotify thing. Say what? Just to make it, make it quick. So so what I did. So before I'd have songs that go like forever. They start off. No. Um, so they, they start doing it. So like for instance. Um, this. Tell me if you hear this. I can hear it. You hear it? Yeah. Okay. 15 seconds. Yeah. So 30 seconds. Yeah, but and and from what I'm gonna understand, even now streaming wise, you literally only have 15 seconds before it's even considered a stream. So like let's just say somebody was just like, okay, I'm gonna listen to those 15, 15 ish seconds. Like that's it. That's all you got. Yeah, so so if you don't start singing till a minute, 
Oof. You know, and, and people watching this, look how long 30 seconds felt like on a talking program. So that's how people... <laughs> right? Oh, Lord. Yes. I didn't even think about that. You're pointing that out. Yeah, 30 seconds. It, it feels so, so long. So, so just... Yes, just imagine somebody's holding their phone and they and they they start it, and then thirty seconds later, if you haven't done anything to 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 bring them in, you know, like if you do the same thing over and over and over, it's like if you listen to that, I built that. It started off one way, added the accordion, added a thing, added a thing, added a thing, added a thing. Boom, we're in, right? I mean, it's, you you just that stuff you got, and you got to study successful people because success leaves trails. So just to study those number one songs, man, and get in there and get it. Because before, like, look, for example, <laughs> before, um, uh, like, like this. Bad example. Bad example. Why? <laughs> because, because I don't sing. I don't sing on that one. Okay. But I will say hey, like hey. hello. <laughs> She's like, "Oh damn, I'm on the podcast." She's like, "You're playing music. You are done." <laughs> right, right, right. It's like you're having so, too much um, fun. Stop. <laughs> right, right, right. Um But this but it's interesting because you're so right and a lot of the times the music industry likes to say, "Well, you know, there's no blueprint for a number 1. There's no blueprint for oh, a success." There is but as a matter of fact, the dude made his whole career. Uh, he, he's the number. He's well, first of all, he's rich because he wrote a whole bunch of number ones. But he's got a whole, a whole like uh, teaching and coaching situation um, on writing number one songs because he's broken it down. Uh, I forget his name, but you know you can check him out. So look, so remember I was telling you about the things. So here's here's a song. Here's one. Here's one. And that's what this recording. what you're saying i see it yeah and i see i'm still cognizant but see at that point in 20 2017 uh i was uh, 2016 i was cognizant of the fact that the intros need to be shorter Okay. You know what I'm saying, but like you need to, you need to, like you need to get into it already. Yes, yeah, so before I would have, man, I would just rock that for a good little while, you know, and then come into the verse. So you know, just just little things like that, little tweaks. Do you feel that it's important to have a different styling? Because I I love your music, but it's like it's like you're saying, like, oh yeah, I would have held it out longer, and I always think of like. There's some people that are very religious about the album sounding exactly like the live show. And what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that the, the whole point of the live show is that 
yes, you're sub. I mean, hello, your vocals should not sound so drastically different. Let's let's be clear there. But musically, uh, you can't sing in the real life. In the real life, yeah, you can't sing, can you? Yeah, you like that. Good show, but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but that's a different animal. Like, let's just let's move that discussion out of the way so we're not discussing uh, vocals we're ta- we're talking about the song itself and let's just say you sound exactly like you do in the studio do you believe that you have to be that religiously strict in a performance like you have to sound exactly like it sounded on on spotify or your cd or whatever i see your face there come on spill it first of all <laughs> first of all let me go on record as saying that you don't have to do nothing Okay, he said it. He said it here. God do shit. Yeah, you don't have to do nothing. You know what I'm saying? Well, well in in the uh, in in the, in the black community, we like to say we ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die and pay taxes. <laughs> and and Trump showed us we ain't got to pay taxes. And Michael Jackson and Sammy Sosa showed we ain't got to stay black. Yo, she got jokes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh but my anyway. god. But anyway, so so I I remember I told you I started researching and, and, and checking myself and seeing how to be better, which is what every, you should always try to be better. Always you're only competing against your best self, first of all. So that, that whole have to thing, it just depends on who you want to be. If you want to be like everybody else, understand there's only one of them, and you can you will never be better than them. Ever. So trying to be like them and do what they do and do it exactly the way they do it is only going to make you a clone of them. So that's that's my thoughts on have to. Now, with that being said, I have made a shift in my performance and in my ideology about performances um, in that it needs to sound like the record. Right. Okay. So it can't sound so drastically different from the record that people go, wait a minute, what is this? Oh, Mm. that song. That was my favorite song. Well, I don't know why it sounded like that. There's that part, right? Okay. Um, Then then uh, before I went through the transformation of starting the songs within 30 seconds and realizing, you know, what I was doing, um, I realized that I do all of, and I still do this now, don't get me wrong. My songs are set up like a live performance. Okay. So when you li- that's why you can listen to my songs from beginning to end, because I'm constantly doing something. I have a breakdown, I have a vamp or whatever. I'm, it's like a live performance because that's what I like. Mm, okay. Now there are some people who are cut and paste. There's, a, there's the intro, the verse, the hook, the verse, the hook, the hook, out. There's some people do that and it works for them. And in this day and age of social media and like two minutes and 45 seconds to three minutes is the, is the maximum length of a song. It's back to like the sixties and seventies, the fifties, sixties and seventies, where you only had that two, you know, that three minute window and and three minutes and 45 seconds was a long song back then. Right. So, so, so now you have that going on. So everything is constantly changing. You got to be a student. has changed it too. Like we can even say TikTok changes. Oh, like 15, maybe 20. Like I would say there are some clips out there that are 20, some of them. Yeah. Um, but 30 seconds at the most. 
Yeah, but like what you see in TikTok, like we're talking about, you know, uh, streaming and then we talk about YouTube. It's like that 15 to 20 seconds now, it's almost like, you know, you're putting out a snippet. And I think the only thing that has bothered me a few times is that it doesn't sound like the rest of the song. So like no, you're getting no, like you're getting the no. hook, but not the, like no, you're, not even, you're not even getting the hook, Veronique. Yeah, no, on some of them I've listened to, it's just the hook. On other ones, it's right. like this random vamp that doesn't co like it's a vamp I, within the like song. Like the song where you go. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, yeah. <laughs> then you listen to the song and you're like, I mean, I like the song, but why did they pick that part? But that part worked. You know, that part worked. It's it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. But yes, yeah, so so you need to sound like your song. The live should get you should take the live and expand it a little bit so that the people who are coming, but but like I tell people, new people in my band, I said, hey, Mr. Guitar Player and Bass Player and Drummer, these are Grammy-nominated songs. And even if they weren't. These are the songs that I wrote. These are the songs that my fans love. They like hearing it a certain way. So I don't need your interpretation of what you think it's supposed to sound like because that's not what got us this money that we're about to go get. <laughs> so I need you to learn it exactly like it is. And we start there. Now, once you learn it and do your part, you know, your, your, your buy-in, you learn it exactly the way it is. Now, once you've done that, and I understand that you got it, now we can open it up for interpretation on a live gig. Mm, yeah. I have you had the saying? most horrible situation where the opposite has happened, so I understand you completely. <laughs> what, what do you mean the opposite? So they did the vamp. They learned their own, like, vamp version of the song. While everyone oh. else learned the song the way the song is. So, so as I, you look at it, WTF are you doing? Oh, yes. I have turned around. I've been like, <laughs> like you, nobody, no musician ever wants to see the singer or any of their fellow musicians do this and then turn like it's <laughs> no one everyone knows the the position the head tilt you know you're fucked and nobody ever wants to see that and it's happened it happens unfortunately it happens you know, yeah. and, and what, what kills me is i explained this ad nauseum hey i know this is a lot i know y'all are used to playing like 10 songs on a 90 minute set but because you know of the situation and i'm having to teach new people I use tracks. I use stems. Mm, okay. So I have been, for the last eight, nine years, ten years, I have been tied to this, the structure of my song. Mm -hmm. So we got 26 songs in a 90-minute set. Okay. Right? So okay. you got to come in and learn at least like four of them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they come in, I'm like, okay, so you're a guitar player. I need you to learn these solos exactly the way they are. Simple. They come in and I say, which part of exact don't you did you did you misunderstand? You know, it's like going with the with the Commodores and playing easy like Sunday morning with a different nobody wants to hear that. No. 
Absolutely you know, the only not. time I want to hear your version is after you've played it like they like it. And I come back and go, hey, give me some more. Now I want to hear your part. Now they want to hear your part. But that might be somebody's favorite guitar line. And you just shitting on it. And it's like, come on, what are you doing? You know? And, and at the same time, but you also learn something you didn't know before. And that's why I try to, I'll also try to like make it to where they like, they, they can, you don't know how to play my music. My music and my style is something that you don't do. That's why I've called you because you're going to bring something different to the table. But for you, for you learning what I'm, for me paying you to learn what I do and my style and for you to have that in your pocket so you can make money on my style with somebody else, I need you to learn this music the way it is. Now, if you can't do it, tell me now because I'm not going to be this nice whenever we're talking about it. After I paid you. Oh, yeah. And you don't, want to, you don't want to come somewhere and have me go, okay, well, you missed this song, you missed that song, you missed this song, so I'm going to deduct you for this, 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 that, and the other. But they don't like it whenever you come at them like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to pay you for the effort that you gave me because you said you were going to do this, but you did this. I said I was going to pay you for this, but, I, but I'm going to pay you for what, for what you gave me. And they look at me, they go, and I go, no, I'm going to give you this money, but I, I need you to learn these songs. And if you don't, then, then we're, then we're going to be done. I, you know, I, I don't have time for that no more, man. It's, 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 and, and thankfully I found the people who are, are of their word and they do what they say they're going to do, you know, but it took a lot, you know, cause uh, guitar players and bass players, man, I don't want to play their bass line. It's like, yeah, but we don't know what your baseline is. We know what that one is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, had, I had a young guitar player. Had a young guitar player. One of us. This song is Grammy nominated. And I would even go so far as say it's Grammy nominated because of the guitars. Right? Okay. Okay. Right? Okay. Because of the guitars. Okay. I'm here and, for it. And I'm like, did you learn this exactly? What oh, yeah, I can do that. And little dude was like, yeah, man, you know, I was going to learn it, man. But, you know, it just it wasn't a really good solo. And I'm like. The Grammys gave it a Grammy nomination. And you're still in school in performance, music performance. We're coming back around to that. <laughs> and, and, you have, and you have an opinion on somebody who played a solo in my in my song that a six-time Grammy winner told me, you know what this song needs? It needs this guy. And I go, cool, how much? He tells me, I give him the money. Dude comes back, gives me two whole passes, and I'm like, wow. And this little young guy goes, oh, no, you know, it was okay, man, but you know, he had some mistakes in there. I was like, where? Where? <laughs> Where are where? they? Where? Where? You know what I'm saying? But where anyway, in the air? Those those are the kinds of those are the kinds of you know situations as a band leader that you're going to come across 
There's always a musician who thinks they know more than you and, and they're better than playing somebody else's parts. You just got to find the people who want to be in your circle and want to be around you who are positive. You can't let the negative people come in. They're the cancer. As soon as I spot the cancer, I cut it out. I cut it out. I used to keep them longer than I, than I should have. But if you can learn how to get rid of them sooner, you're going to have a much happier life in the music industry. And, you know, you talk about tracks and I know that like a lot of musicians at, and I'm, I'm just going to be blunt, musicians at lower levels call that karaoke. And I say, you obviously do not understand the industry standard for how performances are done at a, at a high level in these big auditoriums, these big stadiums where, at yes. A high level, it's karaoke, like a mug. <laughs> <laughs> because the show is exactly the same. There's no variation at a high level. No, you can't. You can't, you can't you can't pull I mean the only person who can pull variation and I think it's because you're obviously making tracks that are like if you think that somebody who's playing tracks and you're going oh my god this live show was amazing but there wasn't a lot of instrumentalists but you know they did something different it's because they created tracks or stems that were different than their recording they made it right. seem live but really it, Yeah, it was all that uh, variation, all of it's planned. I think that one of the biggest things that I saw that was really um, just inspiring, but also just really tells you a lot about the industry in regards to tracks was uh, the the Beyonce. um, uh, Oh, my God. I'm trying to remember the the Coachella, the Coachella event, because there are tracks there. Yes, there's a full band, but there are tracks and the variations and the and the ad libbing. It was all all planned. It was all in the steps. It's all planned. And it's all exactly the same every single time. Yes. That's how you know. Yeah, because the the show day one was the same as day two. That's right. So that's what that's what I've been dealing with. You know, because like like I said, I feel like God, like God has me on this path so that I could learn the next level. Yeah. Because see, I'm the I'm the I'm the spontaneous. I don't I I like to to switch up stuff, and I like to make stuff different and do stuff differently. But that's not what the next level is. And you know, and it took me a while to get that. The people in Des Moines, Iowa, when they see you. Right. And they put that thing out there and say, this was awesome. Or when they see the picture of you in Detroit and you coming to Des Moines, Iowa the next week. And I don't know why I said Des Moines. But anyway, in Iowa, just to it's show hilarious, you the difference. Because my aunts, because my aunts from Des Moines in Des Moines, Iowa. So that's hilarious to me. So you got everybody freaking out over the New York show, the Detroit show, the Chicago show. And then when you get to Des Moines, Iowa, you, you've seen this on social media every time. That's why you paid the money for the ticket. And then you get there to Des Moines, Iowa, and the show is different. And they lose it. And they lose it and they get mad that the show's different. They're mad. So as an artist, you go, I don't want to do the same stuff every day on day. I don't want to do that. I'm an artist. I'm creative. Well, we do this. This is karaoke. Karaoke get you paid, number one. <laughs> no, number two, 
you you got to understand consistency of product. Yeah. Uh, if you're a jam band, if you're a jam band, then by all means, be different every night. That's what your fans are coming there for. Yeah. But if you're talking about popular music, the music of the people, the KISS rule is everything. Keep it simple, stupid. Don't don't be all super complicated because whenever you're watching and people go, you lost them. You know what? And that happened to me recently. I was at a show and I felt so horrible because we weren't we were not on tracks. We were live. The band was on point. And somehow the sound technicians were just like, they kept blaming me and yelling at me from across the stage, telling me I didn't know how to hold a mic. And like, cause it was, it was going off. Oh, I've had wonderful experiences. Yeah, in the music going, industry. Who's doing that? <laughs> doing that? Oh, God. Okay. Well, well, whenever they're yelling, if, did people see them yelling at you? Oh yeah. It's, it was crazy. Oh. And like, Oh, it was the worst. And so is, I'm sitting is, there, I'm super chill. I was super chill. Here's your future uh, response. Okay. Here's your future response. Here's your future response. Why does this have tape? <laughs> um, so I don't know how to hold a microphone. I see y'all see them hollering at me, telling me I don't know how to hold a microphone. Well, see, there's a thing called frequency. And it go, you know, because when you do that on, on the, uh, by the monitor, it's going to go, right? So, so, so was I holding my mic wrong when that frequency came through? No, I wasn't. I moved, and because they don't have that frequency dialed down, because they don't know their job. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. No, it's no, it's no. crazy the way, like, you know, I... I think all of us, when we're in the music industry, try to hold a sense of respect because we don't know, you know, what's happening with X, Y, Z person. You know, you, you don't know what you're yeah. walking into. So you just kind of want to be chill. But I think for me, it's the fact that the microphone had tape on it. The end of it had tape on it already. And I was like, thumbs up with this, but I'm going to be chill. Oh, it's, 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 it's not the tape. Is that they don't have, they don't have what, 120, 128, uh, they don't have that dialed down. They don't have the two, the two, the two hundred frequencies dialed down. So that's always going to be an interference. Oh yeah, and they have to know. Oh yeah, no, it was, it was, it was crazy. It was a crazy show, and I, it's happened to me so many times where I, I've stopped. I said, you know what? I'm not going to put out this product for you guys to listen to. My band knows how to play this. I know how to sing. I am not going to stand here and yell. Oh, you said that? Oh, yeah, oh, so I did. You can, oh, so you can probably do the whole thing. About, if you did that, then, then what I'm talking about is, is elementary. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I'm stopping. I said straight up, I said, I'm stopping. This is not the product that we want to give you guys. Um, so I'm going to wait for them to come up and fix this. Put it down oh, cool. and then walked off. Because the thing is, is that it, this is a festival. So for me, I'm like, hey, this festival's hiring me and places like if you're a musician and you feel scared because I know when I first started, I've only been in this industry for 10 years professionally. Um, yeah. And I can understand how scary it can be to say, hey, who is this motherfucker on stage? He is not a band member or. Why does my music sound bad? I have started to do stuff really funnily <laughs> where I'm uh, there's something wrong with my mic or one of the band members can't hear something. And I start singing it in the key of my song. 
and and I start saying, um, <laughs> I was like, so my accordion sound is off. Why can't I hear it? It's not coming <laughs> through the front of house. What's going on? <laughs> and they're like, at oh, first they're a little confused. <laughs> Look, this is what you, this is what I do. This is what I do. I'm playing, and I go, I go. Hey, can y'all hear the accordion? Oh God, yes. No, it's. Hey, it's, can y'all hear the accordion? Y'all hear this? Can y'all hear it? Like, don't think that you're a diva. That's that's really what I want to impress upon people: is that you're a musician. This is your art. You are getting paid money. The moment that money gets exchanged, it becomes a business. And Absolutely. you have to protect your business, even if you look like the asshole. If you don't have it's a middle person. It's not the music fun. It's not the music play. It's the music business. And part of the business is knowing your damn job. And, and the sound guy, if you don't know your job, then that's a problem. You know, now I generally don't give them that kind of shine. What I do beforehand, though, I go I go and talk to the, the monitor person and I go talk to front of house person mm -hmm. every single time. Right. Because because like you just expressed, they can make or break your show. Yes. So I go so I go every without fail. If I can, I go and I talk to front of house monitor person. Right. And I get them on my side. Cause they gotta be on your side, mm -hmm. you know? And then I go like, like for my tracks, right? I go, listen, these tracks, front of house guy, I go, look, these tracks, I said, I need you to mix these hot, like, like they're on stage. I said, cause if without these, my songs aren't right. That's the background vocals, that's the keyboard, the auxiliary percussions and stuff like that. So I need you to mix it just as loud as you mix the bass and the guitar, mix it like we're there on stage. I said, I'm being prophylactic. I know you know this. But I'm tell I just gotta tell you anyway, because I'm being prophylactic. And they laugh. <laughs> and then they the, and, and and eight out of ten times they proceed to not mix it as loud as the stuff on the stage. But I'm wireless. So like if I'm feeling good, I'll go out in the step into the audience. Okay. And then I'll, I'll I'm playing, and then I'll tell the sound man, turn the track up. And then you go back. And then I go back. Okay. That's that's what that's what that's the benefit of being wireless. Okay. And all of my pickups are on the inside. So I don't I generally don't have to worry about the feedback thing either. And my and I got the crown CM311 microphone, so I can walk directly in front of speakers and not have feedback. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So I go out there and go, hey, the track's not turn track up. And so we were talking about your experience at LSU, the experience of going from, you know, school to musicianship, to leaving music, to coming back. What is music in your life to you? Oh, man. First of all, life without music is not life at all. Then uh, my, my one of my favorite reggae bands, well, my favorite reggae band, Steel Pulse. Life, life without music, I can't go for no. <laughs> right? So yeah. like, when I wasn't playing, and then for me, it goes extreme. So, so to y'all out there listening, 
I want you to find a business or, or, or an event that you go to that you don't hear music. Not a word. I can't even think not of a one. Can't think of one. Restaurants, music. Nope. Clothing stores, music. Mall, music. Music. You know what I'm saying? Music. Everywhere. Music is everywhere. So, but my my thing goes a a step deeper. If I'm not playing music on a high level, I'm low-key depressed. I got to be on stage doing music at a high level to be good, good. You know what I'm saying? That time that that I was off selling cars... Man, I was I was I was mildly depressed. Literally, I didn't realize until afterwards. I was mildly depressed. So yeah, I, music is everything. Got to be doing it. Got to be making it. Got to be performing it. Performing it more more for me. I need to be performing it. Like I don't think I can get away with just being a a background writer and you know, just somebody in the band. I, I need to be performing. Like you can't, you can't be producing. You can't be just in the studio, just doing that. I can't, but I can't be just a producer. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like just, just that is not enough for you. It, it has to be just the encompassing, immersive. Not at this experience. point in my life. Now, when I'm seventy, maybe. <laughs> maybe though. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's all about the music. Gotta, gotta do yeah. the music. Gotta do it. And I and I know we're on a high note, and, and you know we've been shooting the shit about about school, about sound, we sound engineers. We love you, sound engineers. Please don't get mad at me. Without you, we're nothing. Literally, exactly. Um, but you know, I I think it's so important to to talk about the the depression because I think during the pandemic, a lot of people didn't know how to deal with not performing in front of people. And it's taken a lot for people to come back. Um, you know, the shows of, you know, I, it's such a weird conundrum because right now everyone wants to go out. They want to start experiencing music again, but the musicians that were around prior to the pandemic, prior to the shutdowns aren't around anymore. Really? And, and there's this sense, yeah, like they're not all of them, but like, there's just a lot that let's just say may have been around two, three years ago that might not be around now. That is a reality. Like two things. One thing is, Mm -hmm. um, they thought it was the music play. So their business was together. Okay. Right. And then they, and so they had to go get another job. And they went and got another yeah. job and realized, oh, okay, this isn't bad. Like this is consistent yeah, money. It's consistent money. And did I really want to be a musician anyway? You know, that pandemic time, downtime, that lets you know were you seriously trying to be one? You know, because because if you didn't if you didn't make the shift like you should have, right? If you're a performer, then you should be performing in front of this thing right here. And be just as good as you are in person. You should be able to emote and send that energy through. I'm gonna tell you something. I made I I I had more money in the bank at the end of 2020 than I've ever had in my life. Wow. And I lost weight. Wow. Well, dang. You did better than me. 
And you gotta, you gotta always be looking at the industry. The pivot was you, the internet is not going anywhere. Live stream. Live stream is not going anywhere. Yeah, no. There are some people, and you, and, and I don't know, you know, I haven't seen an article written about it yet. There are some people who will never, ever go to a live show again because they didn't like going to live shows in the first place, but they had favorite bands that they had to see and they just dealt with being in the crowd. So they went. Yeah. And now that they don't have to, they're never going again. They're never going to restaurants. They're never doing any of that. Oh, yeah. And so if you're a musician and you don't and you haven't figured out how to live stream your shows whenever you hold the bag and when you're putting it on, then you're missing out on a whole lane. And I am missing out on a whole lane. <laughs> I'll be honest, but for me, I'll send you my, I'll send you my invoice. OK, there we go. He's going to he's going to help me out. you guys. <laughs> But here. He, he's coaching me. He's gonna be my new. He's my mentor now. Y'all, y'all, uh, y'all, y'all are out. Like you guys had your chance. He said he's mentoring me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> closed. We're closed. But here's like outside of the joke. I, I took the time during the pandemic. It, it was really wild because everything that could shut down in my body did, and I've talked wow. about it multiple times. And for me, it was God. Like I was, I was and wasn't going through depression. Like it was a wild time prior to the pandemic, like the year right before and then getting into it. And I, I have to say some like that time for me, the pandemic saved Absolutely. my life. It was the purge. Like the, yeah, like the, the pandemic saved my life. And I know some people are like, what the hell? So many people, pa I understand. I'm super cognizant of, like he was saying, you know, as things are going on around you, like I had to pull out. I had to pull out of online. I had to pull out of everything because everything was just like, I could feel it. That empathetic aspect of what makes me a creative Art. and a songwriter was on overdrive. Art. It was on overdrive. And I couldn't. And then this past year, like, I started seeing things move better. And, yeah, I didn't do the live stream. Yeah. I get it. But I'm such an OCD person in that regard oh, yeah, that I was like, no, nah, man, I don't want to do it. I don't, I don't want to do a live stream. And then it cuts off halfway through and people want their money back. I'm not going to pull one of because the, there was a bunch of people who did that. I was like, no, I know I'm not right, prepared right. for well, this. Well, I mean, that's the other thing. In the OCD, you got to know yourself. So, you know, and, and that was that was the wild, wild west when it was going on. Oh, yeah. You know, just trying to figure out, figure out everything. But 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 the thing is, I had started doing it before the pandemic. Yes. You know, so I was ready for it when it happened. I had just bought like the cameras and the switchers and the this is that and the other. I had it, you know, and I granted the pandemic hit and then I got that. So I didn't really something happened. I didn't even use the stuff that I bought. <laughs> No. <laughs> uh -oh. no, no. Okay, so yeah, so I bought stuff, and then um, then I got nominated. No, no, I was already nominated. So why did I buy? I bought the stuff. Something happened where I just started. I started working, and I and, and I wasn't doing lives. I wasn't doing live stream anymore for some reason. I don't know what happened. You know, what's funny is I, I was kind of in the same boat. Like there was so much medical stuff going on. I was like, I'm going to focus on that. I feel like 
like focusing on all this stuff that for me is going to overwhelm me is not going to help me. And I went into 2021 and like the reopening of everything so much better. But I do agree with you. There, there is a space that hasn't really been discussed about the fact that we're not utilizing online the way right. we should. Like all these other companies see the benefits and see that things have changed, but the arts industry hasn't really gotten there yet. It, it was almost like they did it out of necessity, but not realizing that it yeah, was Yeah, and they stay. think that it's going away. The old school people and the people who don't don't pay attention, they think it's going to go away. You know, just like, and, and and I know we keep going down rabbit holes. It's okay. But I'm, I'm up here. We're going to hop. I'm up here trying to get my life before. Hop, bunny hop, bunny hop. I'm trying to get my, um, my, my touring schedule like thick like I want it but as we speak, Web3 is the new frontier. Yeah. And if you're an artist and you're not at least, like you said earlier, cognizant of the fact that Web3 is a thing, you you could wake up one day and just be stuck out. Well, like I, I had a friend of mine that did a Facebook uh, Metaverse concert that yes. that was paid that the roblox had a con oh no oh my god did you hear about this I didn't know what roblox was before before uh last year i still don't know what <laughs> i know it i know what it is but i don't i haven't played in it and like they did an entire church service like a pastor yes. sermon in roblox yes. um or roblox i'm sorry if i'm saying it wrong yeah, roblox, um yeah. Uh, Fortnite has done multiple concerts yeah. within its space. They're collaborating with artists all the time. So yeah, yeah. The, 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 as much as artists, and I get it, the NFT part, I'm still like, no, I'm not going to enter that. That is a hot like, mess you, waiting you, to happen. But you have to have fans for that to work. Oh, you have to have people willing to throw money at you for that to work. That's what I'm saying. You have to have fans. You know, they, they go, oh, the NFT is a new space. No, that's Snoop Dogg. That's not, that's not Droop Dogg. Droop Dogg ain't going to sell no, you know what I'm saying? He's not doing it. Nobody's buying Droop Dogg stuff. No. Snoop Dogg stuff, they buying. Droop Dogg, they're not buying. No. No, it's... It, you know, there's, a, there's an artist, though, Veronique, so I can say it again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's an artist who is entirely in Web3. His manager has not seen him. Look, his manager has not seen his face. He's writing his contracts are in his artist name, so they don't know his real name. Are you he's got the serious whole, the whole, right now? And he is making, he's a multimillionaire. You are out of your mind. There's no way. He's an R&B singer who says, I'm not a traditional looking R&B singer, which probably means he's a white dude. I was that about to that say, he has to be white. <laughs> Nine times out of ten. No, no, no. Watch. He's but, Asian. He's he's he has to be Asian or, or something or, else. Or he, could be Asian. or he could be Asian, you know, but but whoever he is, you he's got he's he he invested in the in the in the in the materials to where when he puts the VR stuff on and when they meet, even on Zooms or whatever, it's his it's the person that everybody knows, not him. So he's got all of the all of the benefits of I'm a superstar and none of the drawbacks. 
He can go to the mall with an with a, with a American Express black card. And nobody knows who the hell this dude is. They just see that it's an American Express black card. That's it. No, no, it's just, oh, I do get an American Express black card. It's my family. Yeah. You know, you know. You see what I'm saying? So, so you got to explore those kind of things, and especially in in the in the in the regional Mexican world, if if you start exploring those things, you'll be the first. Yeah, and. And right now, like my food right now, you don't go food right now. No, no, I think I, I really wanted because back in the day, um, I'm trying to remember when, oh my God, I think it was hurricane Harvey. That was the most recent, really, really bad one. Um, during okay. hurricane Harvey, I had, I was stuck in Nashville cause the, the hurricane was moving kind of like in a little sea and yep. I was stuck out there and eventually got back home. But I'm seeing all this stuff happening. And it was the first time I had ever done a kind of benefit concert all online uh-huh. with people all over the United States. So, like, I had gotten people yeah. everywhere and we collected about $3,000, two to $3,000. It was the, it was the yeah. most I had ever gotten for a nonprofit. So we had done it for the the Houston Food Bank. And all of that money went yeah. straight to them because there was like a little link and and it went straight to them. You could yeah. use it and and we collected all that money for them. But it's so true. Like this is me back in I want to say 2016, 2015, 2016 doing that and and understanding the the really huge importance of live stream and live streaming concerts and that there is a way to do it um but now it's even more imperative given like you said the concert music film all of the scene for entertainment and the arts because music is part of the arts um is just completely changed and Everybody's trying to figure it out. And you need to, if you can't, if you're not a figure it outer, then you need to get a friend who's a figure it outer. Go on Fiverr. And, <laughs> yeah. I don't know about Fiverr. Okay, I don't know Fiverr. I don't know, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about Fiverr. Look, look, for, certain, for small mean, sure. things. Not not everything with small yeah. things. I'm sure you can. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, you, you, need, to, you need to pay attention to this because you got to be ready for the shifts that happen. Because the whole industry is trying to figure out where the money's coming from and where where the money's going to go, and so you know the, the the quicker you can get on that, the better. You know, the quicker you can get on that, the better. So, yeah. You know that little emoji of the wallet with the wings on it just flying away? Well, that's me right now. I'm the advertiser. This is an ad for me, Veronique Medrano. Go listen to my music. I have a bunch of it. This isn't a joke. Go listen to my music on your favorite streaming platform. New songs out now are Malojo featuring El Dusty and DJ Kane and Mezcal Maria featuring Beatriz Gonzalez. Or you can buy a physical CD. Are those still a thing? Okay, I'm being told they are. So go to my website, veroniquemedrano.com to go get one now. And listen to it at your mom's house because I'm sure she has a CD player. This has been your big ad And when did you start your partnership with Honer? Because I, I, I know that that was a shift. Like you said, there's there was a shift in that. And and what has 
What was that moment for you? Yes. Before I do the Horner thing, just to show you how old I am. <laughs> I and like and, and and how blessed I am to be in places to see what's next. Just like I just told you about Web3 and all stuff like that, right? So way back in the day, I don't remember what what it was it was maybe 2000 ish. Oh, 2000, 2001, maybe something like probably 2000. Um, I performed in Houston in a studio. And that was after they had just run the first fiber optic lines. Mm -hmm. So the whole thing was they were like, you're going to, we need you to perform and be a part of this thing. People are going to see you real time in Chicago and LA and in Chicago. Um, New York and LA, right? Because that they're gonna they're gonna be able to give you feedback immediately because they're gonna see it while it's happening. I performed on one of the first ever live streams. We need we need video footage. I need video footage. <laughs> I got, but the video footage is uh, it's just us performing. But the but the fact that we were performing and people were seeing it while it was happening. In Chicago, and you know, these uh, three, it was three cities. I don't remember which three. I know Chicago was one of the cities. But the, the trip is, we were all like, oh my God, this is so phenomenal. And then fast forward to today. And now all our phones. It's in our hands. Yeah. They had thousands, I mean, millions of dollars worth of equipment and time just to do that little 45 minutes that we did over the internet, which wasn't even the internet yet. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was amazing. So, okay, so that was just, that was just my thing. I was on one of the first ones that happened in Houston and, you know, it just happened in silence. They didn't advertise it. It was, they would, it was, it was the test model to show that it worked. Wow. And that was really cool to be a part of that. So back to Honer. So just to show you how whenever you get into your zone and where you're supposed to be, how everything starts to shift and go go your way. I was selling cars. I, I knew it was time for me to not sell cars, but it, it was easier for me to quit music, to hear the voice of God and say, I'm done because I no need to do it. It was easier for me to do that than it was for me to hear that it was time for me to come back. Okay, Why? Because now my wife's used to having me home. Okay. She's used to me having a regular paycheck. Regular hours. Um, no, the hours are crazy. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Never mind. Never so, mind. Hours are crazy. Hours are crazy. But, but I'm home. But I'm home every night. Okay. Versus me being on the road. Okay. Right? So there's that. So then, but, but I know I'm supposed to go. So I go through all these ups and downs and I realize... You know, I go in and so, so it's my vision. It's for me. And if I believe that's what it is, I got to fulfill it. No one else can do it but me. So the day I, I my last day at the job, packed up the office, I get home. I'm about to take my box out of my car. My phone rings and it's Joel Guzman. He's like, brother, what's up, brother? He says, hey, man, you're getting your accordions, bro. <laughs> the day I quit that job, my last day there, was my first day getting my first honer. Wow. So that was, to me, that was God going, see, I got you. See, 
Sí. 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 But like. Mira, 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 mira. Look. Look. Look, 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 look. You know what? But had you been talking with Joel prior to that, or as as you know during that up and down period, or was it just kind of like he thought of you? Well, I actually took a lesson. Now, I took a lesson, and he was like, "Bro, you should be playing Honer." I said, "Well, you know, you should introduce me to somebody that can make that happen." He said, I "I've already done that. We're good." And so that's how I got to meet uh, Gilberto, and uh, me and Gilberto clicked, you know, clicked, kicked it off. Well, you know, just just right. And I became a Honer artist from that point. And man, I got, so I've got three now. Um, I've got a, um, I've got a DGC. I've got, no, I've got an EAD, a DGC, and a uh, A flat, F sharp, C sharp. Okay. Now um, we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of your impact oh. on popular culture. And you have been, I'd love to just kind of ask what was, what were the highlights? Because there's a whole list. You have so many credits for appearances. I think it was like MTV Road Trip or Road Rules. So, so my music, my music was in, in 2001, my music was in Real World, Road Rules, Fraternity Life, and Sorority Life. Wow. And that. All four. And that same year, I performed live on BET's Comic View. Okay. I'm a, a, one of only two bands to perform live on Comic View. Okay. You know, and just, and I'm not going to name the other band. And if, if you can find it, you, you'd be blessed. But you have to go down a big rabbit hole to find it because that was pre-internet. But um, I'm sitting there talking to the other band like, dude, we're here. We're in BET. This is black people. This is black music. Look, we have an opportunity to show them something new. Let's go out there and kill it. He's like, yeah, man, yeah. He went out there and did it, a show, like he was doing a show at a festival that he plays every year. The energy was just the same, mm, right? Okay. And as a result, because this is New Orleans. New Orleans ain't, first of all, first of all, Creole culture, the, the, the Southwest Louisiana Creole culture is not New Orleans Creole culture. Okay. So, so, they're, so they're not cutting, they're not checking for Zydeco music. Okay. Right? So that means you got to bring it, right? So he goes, he finishes, they go, hey. <laughs> so then... <laughs> they're like, I go, they're like, good job. <laughs> you did it. And no, they're clapping because, because the applause sign is <gasps> on. Right? Yes. He got, I'm, no, I'm not, I'm not, not, let me, let me not be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. No, but there's, what I'm there's saying just, is, there's a certain level. There's a certain level to bring. Like, like, I know you were, you were on, um, oh my God. Uh, if I'm correct, you were on Steve Colbert. Yes. So like, like these are people that are, that have such a huge audience. BET has such a huge yes. audience. You cannot be like acting yes. as if it's like the, the backyard festival that happens every year. I completely yeah. understand. I completely yeah. understand. So he, so he got his golf clap, right? And give it up for him. They get, so then I come out there, right? Well, I came through the door, pulling. Bah! 
we played a song, we hit it. I get four standing ovations. Yay! In New Orleans, Louisiana, in a place where black folk admittedly say, I don't like Zydeco back then. Wow. I got four standing ovations. That place was like the Apollo. Like they boo. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we played, we played, they did, they were booing folk. We played and I got four standing ovations. Wow. You got to understand time and place. Okay. You know, you got to understand time and place. Stephen Colbert, I get it. I'm on Stephen Colbert. I'm not the musical guest that plays that feature song, but I'm even better because I'm on every bumper. I'm playing every bumper. Shout out to John Baptiste. For, uh, seven of those bumpers were my music. Okay. Shout out to John Baptiste, my dude, right? So we play the intro, right? We playing uh, the song I told you with the guitar parts. Yeah. Right? Kick rock. It's called Kick Rocks. We play in that. We finish. The crowd is standing up, cheering. Woo! So if you watch the cut, Stephen Colbert goes, yeah, give it up for the band. Yeah, yeah. And they're still hollering. And he's looking. He goes, he goes, man, the energy from over there. So here's the backstory. They they tell me he's not, he's not necessarily going to announce your name. Okay. So don't expect okay. that. Yeah. Right? So I met him beforehand, super nice guy, right? Introduced, blase, blase. He's trying to remember my name. You can see his face. He's going, yeah! This. <laughs> oh my God, is it right, right? And they're like, woo! I had them so pumped up, right? It's just time and place. You gotta recognize time and place. If you get a spot on TV and you go and do what you do every day, shame on you. You need to bring it and bring people to your music that never, you know, and make the people who support you proud. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that's that's the biggest thing. So now what's your question on cultural influence? I'm sorry, we, <laughs> well, we always what we're and me and you gonna hang out a lot. I can see. It's, it's all good. I'm down. I'm down. And I well, what I was trying to say is, you know, you you've been on you've been on there, you've you've been on Stephen Colbert, you've been on um I, I can't remember the name correctly, so excuse me, because I, I was reading it really, really quick. It was uh on the own network. It was a uh, it was uh, uh, Queen Sugar. Yes, Queen Sugar. Uh but you performed or you came out on the episode, correct? Yes. Okay. And then I I saw recently, yes. let's not forget. I saw it on your Instagram. You came out on Interview with the Vampire. Yes. You came, well, like you, but, 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 but you were just playing something, but you actually, came, yeah, yeah. But you were just like, you're there, but you came out in that. So you're very much a, a cultural, just, I, I say icon in the most respectful way, because for the modern Zydeco, you are the face of modern Zydeco. If, if right. we're talking about like who's out there, who is out there, you know, right. on the press, right. in in popular media, in the names and, yeah. and, and all of these different things, it's you. Yeah. It's you. NCIS New Orleans. NCIS New... Again, it's you. 
It's not, you know, like some other person, it's you. And so how do you feel uh-huh. or, or what was some of the, actually, let me, uh, there's two questions I have. One of them being what experience, not saying that they, you don't love them all, but which one really just kind of like took, took you a bit. Like you, you kind of go, oh my God, like I'm really here. Like it's almost like a pinch yourself kind of moment. Well, the New Orleans thing, the New Orleans thing, that was, I I just knew that was going to be a significant thing for me. It didn't turn out to be, other than people just kept seeing it because they kept playing it. Um, But the uh, the NCIS New Orleans one, because that's a whole song, basically, and it's at the beginning of the show. And the, the cool piece about NCIS New Orleans um, was that they um, they record it, you record it, and then you lip sync to your recording. Okay. Yeah, so you're you're doing a playback. But but you recorded it that day. Like like you show up, play your song, they they put a mix on it, and that's your song. Then now you go through and you 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 lip sync to what you just played. Wow, that's crazy. I've not I've. I know, I've right? never heard of that before in my whole life. Like I know of playback yeah. and like, oh, you give them a track, you you play along to the track, and yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no, no. this is this is yeah. Wow. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. And and then to, to go back to the uh, to my consistent theme of this is not the music play, this is the music business, right? And in our cultures, we have to be um, we have to be ambassadors. And also defenders and promoters of the culture as well. Yes. Right? Yes. So I got the gig to be the Zydeco band at a festival in Queen Sugar on Oprah's Network. Okay. Right? Yes. In the show. And so we get there. I bring my accordion, you know, like, like I'm going to do. I got, got the people with me to make the band. And... Um, they go, yeah, so we're going to do this right here, and um, then you're going to play. So look, which one of these songs is is, uh, is like a good Zydeco song to play? I said, well, first of all, none of these songs are Zydeco. Well, these are the ones that we can get cleared. And I said, well, look, y'all hired me here to be the, be the face, so I'm cool with that. I said, but if y'all want to piss off a whole state, y'all try to have me pass that off as Zydeco music. They're like, well, these are the ones we got cleared. I said, don't fret. I own my own music. How many songs you want? They're like, you do? I was like, yeah. I I, I can clear it right now today. I can clear it right now today. How many? So we'll send us five. I said, okay. Done. Now, mind you, I'm there at the shoot. Oof. Just waiting for... We're at the shoot. Like, like it's supposed right? to be happening right now type of vibe. I am, I am in their costume... Right? Then they're talking to me about the music. And I said, well, I got the music. I said, but none of this is Zydeco. Well, you know, that's all we had clear. I said, well, you know, I'm here to do what y'all want me to do. But if you want to piss off a whole state, and you know, then do it. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I said, but if you need authentic music, I have that. And I can clear it right now. You do? That is important. Yes, I do. So before we move from this, because that is such an important moment. Just like you said, you're... You are advocating, preserving, being very culturally aware, and 
But I'm ready. But you're ready. And so what I'm ready. What I want to ask, clearing a song. That yeah. is such um it's money that's left on the table. It's things that we really don't discuss a lot is the music business and sync supervisors will not talk to you very much about it either because it's a it's almost feels okay you know what if y'all want to say that there's an illuminati yes it's the music supervisors i'm sorry music they don't advertise who they no. are and when you find one they're like, hey, hey, hey hey don't be telling to me you know, it's like, you know, you got to like get in there with them. Once you get in there oh. with them, then now everywhere they go, you go. Yes. And they and they think of you and they're going, OK, like this is the song here. But it's not that easy to get into. Again, it's a business. It's not a friendship race. It's a business. <laughs> and business. so you, you have to have friends, but it's not a friendship. Yeah, race. like, like right. you have to have people that you're good with on a business level. Are they your business friends? Because that's very different than the friend that you tell about your problems. They don't give a fuck. They just want to know about the music business. Oh, do you have a new song? Oh, hey, does it fit this vibe? Da 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 da. Do you have total control of that song? Okay, this is the this is the conversation I want to have about owning the music because that moment could have been absolutely different if you didn't have the rights to the music. So explain that as best as possible. Okay, so when I told them I could clear it, but they wanted to, what that means is I had the authority to give them my song, negotiate the money and give them permission to use it, whatever we agreed to, uh, without calling anybody. Okay. But, um, and so, so but I, I own it, right? So, when you songwrite with people, it's best that you, you handle the business from the beginning. So when you songwrite, there's this thing called a split sheet, which tells you who has what percentage of the song, right? So whenever, if, let's just say I wrote the song with two other people, right? I control the master, so I can definitely license it to them. Okay. But if I don't have a good relationship with those people who wrote the song, that's going to be a problem because when they go to clear it, those two people may or may not clear it and they may want to renegotiate, in which case they're going to kick that out faster than fish grease, you know, faster than sticking your hand in fish grease. Ah, kick it out. So you need to make sure you have all the rights to your songs. And if you wrote songs with people, you need to sign the extra document that says that you as the artist and owner of the master, because if you pay for the recording, you own the master. So you need to have paperwork that says you, the artist, have the right to shop this and make us money without calling all the people involved. That's the, that's the basic way of saying it. They give you the permission. That's the basic thing you need. Yeah, they give you permission to make them money. Otherwise, when you do it, if one of them are kind of on the shady side, they're going to be like, well, I think you could have got more money. I don't think you give me enough money. Then they're going to call and negotiate for it. Their people to, to call and negotiate for it. And then the, the, the TV company, movie, whatever is going to go boom. Because what they don't want in TV and movies is problems. And they don't, they don't want to have to work for it. They're like, we like this. We're going to pay you this. Is that okay with you? Okay, cool. If there's somebody else involved. And 
be really understanding. Like everything he just said right now, I was listening to a podcast with a with a gentleman by the name of Ari uh, Hurstand, and he he talks about the new music business. And I'm bringing this up because there is a podcast where he talks to a music supervisor, and that the reason why these music su- supervisors don't get every Tom, Dick, and Harry, and every fucking person that's on the internet putting music is because their reputation is on the line when they bring in songs that are not fully cleared, they tell the production team, this is cleared. And lo and behold, it's not. And guess who gets in trouble? They do. The music supervisor. supervisor, And they could lose their job because how many other people could replace them? Anybody. Anybody, like hundreds of people. They don't care that they have to train a new person. They don't care... the the production oh no they don't have to train nobody they don't have to train nobody music supervisors are ready yeah like but my point still stands like they don't they don't have to they don't want to whatever the case may be there's so many that particular position is so competitive so when you're looking at like you know all of these different spaces you have to be just really careful and understand that the business is the business and the business is the business because People need to make money. Period. Period. Bottom line. Period. And you need to make your money. So have your stuff together. If you're not a BMI, ASCAP, or CSAC artist, become one. Fill out your, your songwriter and your producer paperwork. And so that way you can always be covered. Always. Because now the music, now the stuff comes automatic. So yeah. So it's, it's all good. Yeah. Exactly. And I love that. I love that you brought that up. So that moment happened. We went on a side tangent for a reason, (laughs) but that happened. And then, and like, how quickly were, how quick were they to just be like, okay, let's do this. Let's figure this out. Look, They were filming. They they hadn't gotten to filming our section yet, but they were, our section was next. That's why they were talking to me. They sent it to the producer that was on, on site. He says, well, he really likes this one. I said, no, you can have as many of those songs as you want. <laughs> like, you know, we only need one today. <laughs> we only need one today. I was like, all right, cool. Well, that's the one you want to do? Sweet, no problem. So you can look at it now. That And that episode, the um, the the Sugar the sugar Queen, the Sugar Queen episode, uh, we're playing my song. I even, and I said, you know what? Uh, I can teach the uh, the actors how to Zydeco dance as well if you want some more authenticity. So they brought me back to, to meet the stars, which if you're on a set, you don't ever talk to the stars. Like, you're not supposed to talk to them. You're not supposed to bother them. They brought me back to the stars, and I showed them how to Zydeco dance. Yay! <laughs> they didn't do it right when they got there. They didn't do it right when they came time to film it. That's okay. I got video of me showing them. <laughs> Yay! And and how did the Yay! interview with the vampire situation come up? Because that that's, I mean, I, AMC is super invested in you know the uh, Anne Rice's you know catalog and her yes. world. I just started watching the witch, the, the uh, Mayfair witches. Um. So so that yeah, basically you know again. So okay, so I'm I'm basically I've basically done a lot of my doggone um my motivational speaking thing on your podcast. So that's that's a whole thing. So life happens at the speed of relationship. Okay. Everybody knows that. But my addition to that is your relationships will determine the speed and direction of your life. Okay. Okay. 
life happens at the speed of relationship and your relationships will determine the speed and direction of your life. Okay. We are in the relationship business in case you didn't know. Because when they need, you know, when they, so what, what do you, what kind of music do you play with your band? Me? Oh, uh, yeah. Tex-Mex Alternative. Okay. We need a girl with an accordion. <laughs> Veronique, Veronique, what, what are you doing uh, tomorrow? You got, but between two, nothing, why? You want to be on the TV show? Yep. Bye. <laughs> That's how that happened. Sean, what are you doing Tuesday, next week? What you need me to be doing? Uh, filming for a thing. Cool. <laughs> you yeah. know, except except this this one was a little more this one was a little more complicated. This one was guy calls me, hey man, they want somebody between uh, eighteen and thirty, eighteen and thirty two to uh, to film to play scrub board in a street band and uh, interview with vampire. I was like, okay, well, you can get my son to do it. You know, I, I pass it on to him, right? Well, this is still COVID time. And one thing that the, uh, what the big studios are not going to do is have their whole production get shut down because somebody got COVID. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So my son lives in Houston. They were filming in New Orleans. Okay. You had to go to New Orleans, use their people, and COVID test twice. Okay. No, three yeah. times. The day before, like two times, and then the day before, you had to go and uh, get tested. So that's about three t- three different COVID tests that you have to do before you even get on set. It's three, it's three COVID tests before you even get on set. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. And so my son was like, Dad, I can't do that. And so the people, the people who were um, who were, who were the casting people, were the same people who got me on Queen Sugar. Okay. And so they go, "Oh, Sean, we thought it was you, but that was your son." I was like, "Yeah, he can't make it." Well, that's fine. You know, come on. They, <laughs> you know, they know me. Yeah. And and I look young. I yeah. look young. I look young. It's, it's all that. It's all that moisture. Well, it's like moisturizer. You're good. You're doing great. <laughs> I just got a massage, so that's why I'm all nice and moisturized. <laughs> but yes, generally my hand is moisturized. But um, yeah, so she said, yeah, that's not a problem. And so, you know, so he couldn't do all those things. I was able to go and do the tests, and they paid you to go do the tests. Wow, so they're paying you. So so mind you, anything could happen, So, but you're getting paid throughout. Anything. And just to be safe, be be. Yeah. Be good to like go. 50, it's like it's like fifty to fifty to hundred dollars for for the day for you to go get the test. So it was like an extra three hundred dollars, something something like yeah. that. You know, extra fifty dollars per, which made like an extra hundred fifty dollars. So it covers you, you know, for going. But anyway, that's how that happened. All relationship. Somebody said they're looking for. Somebody thought about me. They called me. I put my son in it. My son couldn't do it, uh, and, and they replaced me. But because the people knew who I was, they were like, oh, yeah, that's that's easy. That's not a problem. And so then now, and I'm just giving way too much out. So now we're on the set, right? And I'm with these people who are, who actually play the instruments that they they do. But, and I try to make them understand, guys, we have to make this interesting because the camera's going to find the interesting people. Mm, Yes, yes. That has happened to me on set. Yes. You can't be up there. Like super chill because you'll be the one that gets cut. 
You will be the one that's yes. on the cutting floor. Every, every time. But don't be, I, I've always remembered this. Like whenever there's large pan shots, like you want to be interesting, but don't completely take away from the acting that's going on on screen. So because right, you're not the star. Yeah, because like they ain't gonna ride apart for you. That's that doesn't happen very often. You know, you know, you know how deep it goes. Deep? I had my hat, my hat cocked to the side. Okay. They came and said, "Can you put your can you put your hat straight?" And I was like, "I can." What's up? Well, you know the the main character he wears his hat to the side, and we don't want anybody else wearing the hat to the side. Okay, makes sense. I was like, wow. Yeah, like it, it can get that. So, so back. Oh, there we go. <laughs> you said you will not tell me what to do. Listen, I'm going to be an individual. I'm a unique no, anyway. flower, damn no. it. <laughs> they love me. So, yeah, so, but we're playing, right? And so we're doing it, and I, I'm into it. I'm, I'm doing the thing. And sure enough, I was this, I was the focus of that street band. Both shots, I was the focus. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's it like, it, you're right. It's it's the relationships will dictate the relationships you build or the relationships that you cut out. Like, let, let's be very clear. Sometimes you have to cut people out as well to move forward. A lot of times. To, exactly. A lot, A of, lot time. of times. Like, you have to figure out like if people are telling you, and this is just, you know, just be super clear. Like if people are calling you fat, that you need surgery, that you need to do X, Y, Z to be the artist that you need to be. Why did they come along to you to begin with? There was something about you that was unique enough that, that like, there's always these. Seems like you've been through this. Before. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, very specific, Veronique. Those very, 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 very specific. You know, but it happens. It happens a lot. There's energy vampires that, you know, speaking of vampires, but this is very true. There are energy vampires that are surrounding um, creative people. It just happens because the energy. And the thing is, the thing is, they're telling the truth that is a factor but it doesn't have to be your truth. Yes. So you have to decide if that's your truth. And you also have to decide yeah. where that's coming from. Is it coming from a genuine critiquing place? Or is it coming from, right. I want you to fit the mold of what I understand? Because, th because right. That, right. that right there, that, that latter part I just said, what, it makes or breaks an artist. It makes or breaks an right. artist when they try to be something that they're not, that they never were. Yeah, because you can't, you can't maintain that. No. How much, how much, you can't like how much so surgery are you going to have till you, till you don't look like yourself? How much weight are you going to lose till you eventually develop an eating disorder? You know, how, how happy are you going to make somebody? This can even be in your personal life. You can have haters in your own damn life. Absolutely. Like straight up, mm -hmm. like they could be like, oh, well, you know, like your outfits or whatever. And these are people in your personal life. This can even be partners. Sometimes. Look here, look here, Tio. Look here, Tio. I like the mic. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm going to eat these tomatoes. I don't see you stopping. You're making a to-go plate. Right. You're making a to-go right, plate. Right, right, right. 
But these are all things that because we're artists, because we're very like, you know, we like Sean saying, you know, we are very sensitive to our environments because we shape environments. We shape the energy of environments. So if you feel at any point that the things being said are not truly constructive, they're not there to help you, that they're kind of tearing you down a little bit, take some time to decide if that relationship is worth keeping in your professional life. Because the relationships you build and you grow, the relationships you cut out, like Sean said, will determine where you end up a year, two years, three years. It doesn't, a six months, a month from now, your whole life can change in a, in a snap of a finger. And I love it. I love yeah. that you said that because it's, it's so true. The relationships we keep as artists are, are so, they can make or break a person. But in life, in, in life, period, you know, they're, they're, they're most important. So whenever you're out there, if you know, and as performers, live performers, you know, don't, don't, uh, don't crap on the, uh, the, the stage guys. Yeah, don't, don't do, do that. what I did. You're not too, you're not so big of a star that you can't talk to people, oh, yeah. you know? And they work with you, not for you, you know, and if you go, if you go with, even if they're working for you, 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 you treat them like they're working with you. Exactly. Because now they're invested differently than if they work for you. So now our, our final wrap up, we're already, we're already coming to the end. (laughs) This This is the question that I ask every guest. And um, is what is life accordion to you? <laughs> accordion to me? Ah, you said accordion. <laughs> uh, what is life according to me? That's so generic. Yeah. I mean, look at you. You're just gonna be like, so- okay, I see, you. I see. You. Okay, so life, life accordion to me. I'm gonna lean on my accordions while I say it. Um. Treat people with respect and love. Love your family. Uh, Do what you love. And if you happen to be able to get paid doing what you love, you're loving what you do, life will be awesome. Um, I I love people. So I'm I'm constantly loving on people everywhere I go, trying to make people feel, you know, feel good or whatever. So for me, uh, be the best human that you can possibly be to everybody you meet. And if you can do that, you'll be just fine. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to our episode with none other than Sean Ardoin. And thank you so much for coming on to the episode of Accordion to Me. And as always, puro amor, puro besos, puro text mix. Thank you for listening to Accordion to Me. The team behind this week's episode includes mixing and editing by Juan Pablo Diaz, theme music by Rodrigo Montalvo, produced by Javi G from MD Media. In-person recordings were done at the Podify Studios and remotely through Riverside FM. Accordion to Me is distributed through Anchor, and you can stream Accordion to Me wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm your host and executive producer, Veronique Medrano. Puro amor. Puro besos, puro texto.